Um, all right, so review from last week. Jesus is in the Sermon on the Mount. He is preaching on the top of a mountain to the people below him. Um, and he's talking about a bunch of Old Testament laws, um, which he is kind of calling out the ways that people are misinterpreting them, or he's showing the intent behind the law. So he's taking a law. So he's taking do not murder, which is a law of the Old Testament, and he's taking a step farther by saying don't even think poorly about someone. Don't have any fights, long extended bitterness or fights with somebody. Um, last week he said, do not commit adultery. And he took it a step farther by saying, don't even look lustfully at someone. Um, so we're going to do that again today with another law. Um, Jesus calls his followers to a life that is very different than the world. Um, he wants our hearts. Um, he wants our, um, he doesn't want just our acts of service or our good deeds or just to check off all the things that we're supposed to do. He wants what's inside of us. He wants our hearts. He wants our like minds to be in the right place. That's what he wants his followers to strive after. Um, so this week, we're going to be talking about how Jesus calls his followers to be compassionate, like ridiculously compassionate to the point where it doesn't make sense um, to go above and beyond when they love someone or when they're trying to serve someone, uh, to be gentle and to be generous and to love in a way that is confusing, where someone will, like, you'll love them and you will leave and they'll be like, what? just happened like why did they love me like that like a love that is confusing um so we'll dive into more about what all that means um and we're just going to read a small passage today my original goal was to go over um we're in matthew 5 by the way if you guys are flipping around Uh, matthew 5 my original goal was to do verses 38 through 48 but there's just too much in verses 38 through 42 that i got through like that part in my lesson plan and i was like you know this is enough. Otherwise, I'm going to keep them here till like one in the afternoon. So there's a lot to unpack here. and I'm really excited. Um, so let's go ahead and read it together. Um, Matthew 5, 38 through 42. Would anyone be willing to read that for us? I'll read it for us. No worries, guys. All right. Um, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow for you. All right, so the law that Jesus is talking about here comes from Leviticus 24, 17, which is the law of retaliation, which basically said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So if someone punched you in the eye, you would have the right to punch them in the eye back. Or if they got in a fight with you and somehow your tooth fell out, that means that their tooth would also have to be taken out. Or it could even go down to like, if you stole someone's cow, you would have to give them a cow. You know, it's like, I don't know why I always used cows for Old Testament analogies, but I feel like there's a lot of cows back then. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a lot of retaliation. And it was just basically to make sure, even Stephen, everything is paid back. If a wrong was done, the wrong was covered. Um, but Jesus says this is no longer the case in the follower of, of someone who knows Christ. In fact, if someone slaps you, you should allow them to slap you again. Um, so, like, you're like, whoa, Jesus, what do you mean by that? And just a disclaimer, um, this verse does not mean that if you're in an abusive situation, if you're in an abusive relationship, if you're in a situation where you are in danger, where someone is actually, like, like harming you, that does not mean you stay there and allow them to do it. That's not what Jesus is saying here. The intent behind what he's saying is not 
stay in the abusive place that you are that's putting you in danger. That's, that's not it. So X, no, get that thought out of your mind. And if that is happening, like don't take this verse and think that you just need to stay where you are. But rather a slap on the cheek during this time was like insulting and embarrassing and it hurt, but it wasn't like something that was going to kill you by any means. But a slap was just meant to insult you, to embarrass you, to make you look small in front of others. Um, and usually a slap makes you want to retaliate, right? So what Jesus is saying here is if someone slaps you, don't slap him back. Don't give him what he gave you. Don't retaliate. Um, so my question for you guys is what is your reaction when someone insults you, hurts your feelings, or maybe like accuses you of something? What do you kind of want to do? Cry. Cry? Yeah, me too. <laughs> Very, very quick to cry whenever someone insults me. <laughs> I feel like I kind of like just become really quiet. Yeah. Like I don't really have anything else to say to them because I'm mm. just kind of like, like I just keep on like replaying what they're saying to me, trying to like figure it out. Like, oh, oh they, that was that hurt. Yeah. I didn't like how that feels. So I yeah. Really yeah. Um, but yeah, I kind of yeah. just go on autopilot. Autopilot. You like zoned out. Mm-hmm the mark of someone who follows him. Um, It's not what we should strive for. It's not what we should be okay with. So in moments that we want to retaliate, we have to run to him and ask him to show us how, um, how to deal with that situation. So if someone steals from you, you don't steal back. If someone does something horrible to you, don't wish horrible upon them. If someone embarrasses you, don't embarrass them. It's choosing to not do to them what they have done to you. Um, it is not repaying evil with evil, but repaying evil with good. That's First Peter 3, 9. Do not repay evil with evil, but repay evil with good. Um, this thought process is not normal to us. It's against our nature, right? Like in that moment where I got frustrated because I didn't want to clean out the oven, my human nature made me lash out. Or my sin, like enabled me to lash out it was my nature to do so but what I should have done was probably said nothing and just said yeah I would love to clean out the oven you know um, so we see like a lot of ourselves our natural inclination is to retaliate or to retreat and not think anything at all um, when really we should be active in our thoughts active in love active in compassion towards the people that insult us hurt us and do things against us um, that are wrong Um, But the world says something completely different, right? The world says, revenge, get rid of toxic people, hate, cancel culture. Um, If someone does something bad, cancel them, get them out of here. Um, It's a a world where there is a lot of retaliation. And what do you guys see as, like, the byproduct? Like, what happens when... I guess, like, what have you guys observed in the way the world deals with hate and hurt? Does it ever get in? Go ahead. Fights. Fights. Yeah, for sure. And you, you guys see that like a lot at school too. Like just. Yeah. We had two the other day. Yeah. 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 So they kicked each other, and there was a shoe print on one of them hmm. from how hard they kicked. Yeah. And I had to, like, write it up in reports, and I huh. was like, why do you think this is okay? Yeah. is that crazy? And sometimes, like, 
the little kids, like, they can't, like, they can't use their words, so they use their, like, the violence. But isn't that true about, like, older people as well? Like, sometimes they can't use their words, or they can't think through their emotions, or we can't think through our emotions, and we do something stupid instead. And I'm sure that's where they get it from, hmm. is from watching other people. Right, yeah. Um, what were you going to say, Delaney? I was going to say, just what everybody else was saying, it causes a divide between hmm. And eventually, like, blown up, that just causes a divide between the whole world. Yeah, yeah. And that's not how God intended <laughs> Nope. And it gets us nowhere, right? Like, repaying evil with more evil against the evil just stacks up the evil. We'll never get anywhere with that. There has to be a break in the system. There has to be someone that says, no, this person insulted me, but I am not going to act out in anger. Instead, I'm going to go to a quiet place by myself and pray for them. Um, and pray that the Lord would enable me to love them despite what they've said about me, despite what they've done to me, um, despite what happened. Um, so another question I have for you guys is this this thing that Jesus calls us to, to if someone slaps you on the right cheek, to turn and allow him to slap your other cheek. Does this make us pushovers or doormats? No? Why not? that's what that's what our culture thinks Hmm. like when we let people when we love people like that they're not the world's not used to love like that right so i feel like our culture thinks that when that happens we are pushovers that's really just how love is supposed to be Hmm. yeah Yeah, it makes sense yeah yeah from the outside perspective we may look like pushovers or doormats like, I just insulted Delaney, and she's not doing anything. In fact, she told me she was going to pray for me. What? <laughs> you know? Like, but probably in their heart, deep down, they're like, what in the world? This is crazy. How is this happening? She's not retaliating back. Um, yeah, any other thoughts on this question? Does, does allowing someone to slap you on the other cheek make you a pushover? What do you guys think? I think Delaney said it perfectly. It doesn't, I don't, I know it doesn't make us a doormat or a pushover because God is our judge and our defender, right? And he's the one that calls us to this. Uh, We know that our ultimate judge, the one that knows everything, that's in control of everything, sees us, sees our hearts, sees the injustice we might be going through. And he's the one that is going to handle it. Um, And we, all we have to do is trust him. And so not retaliating is the hardest thing to do sometimes, right? Um, So it doesn't make you a pushover. It makes you obedient. It makes you a follower of Christ. Um, It makes you the opposite of a doormat or a pushover. You're not standing on this sinking sand of emotions and paying back evil for evil, but instead you're standing on the solid rock of Christ who you know would love this person too and would not retaliate back. Um, So standing up, um, let me rephrase, Uh, allowing someone to insult you and not insulting them back is actually the bravest thing that you can do and the strongest thing you can do, even if the person perceives it as a weakness. You are not weak because you're doing exactly what Christ would have done, and Christ was not weak, right? Um, No, no way. And God is our judge and our defender. He's the one that's going to handle all of it. Um, But with that being said, there are circumstances where, like, 
people do need to stand up. So like in abusive situations, just like injustice, there are times where things like need to be stood up for, where enough is enough. And there's other places in the Bible that make that clear. Um, but I believe this passage is talking about whenever you, that the way that we handle conflict, the way that we, we handle violence, the way that we handle injustice should look vastly different than the world around us. Um, but yeah, don't, like I said before, don't take this verse and think that if you're ever being abused or you're in a situation where you're in danger or like emotional abuse, any of that, that's not okay. And the Lord does not call you just to sit in that and just take it. Um, he, he has a better plan for you. Um, so yeah, that is the first point that Jesus makes. He calls his followers to never fight evil with evil. Um, the next thing that Jesus says to illustrate his point is if anyone sues you and wants to take your tunic, give him your cloak as well. Um, so this is a situation that if you're being sued, so you're being accused of something and they want to take something from you, um, it could be like legitimate or illegitimate. Is that a word? Illegitimate? Sound, sounded weird when it came out of my mouth. But um, regardless, Jesus says, give them what they want and give them more. Um, so if they demand your coat be like okay here's my coat and here's also my shirt like you want to make it right so if you're in the wrong Jesus is saying do whatever you can to make it right so if you have hurt someone like strive to make it better and do above and beyond to make it better and if you haven't done anything wrong um then how you need to be compassionate gracious understanding and serve that person still um so the meaning behind this statement is to abound with grace when accused of something whether you did it or not Um, so as I was thinking through this, um, because I don't think many of us have been sued, right? Raise your hand if you've been sued. Okay, nobody. (laughs) Um, so how do we apply this to our everyday life when most of us have not been sued and hopefully will never be sued? How do we apply what Jesus is saying here to school, to work, to life? What do you guys think? It's like... The sued he's like referring to is that basically like saying like if we're in the wrong about something or is it if like we're being um like wrongfully accused of something yeah i think it go both ways okay. yeah. yeah so okay, what was the question? <laughs> um how do we apply this to everyday life oh. if we're not being sued right now well i mean kind of like what we what you already said like if somebody like slaps you in the cheek like kind of go the extra mile and you like kind of give them the place to like kind of accuse you again Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's correct um but just kind of like going the extra mile like whenever you're in the wrong you're not in the wrong Mm -hmm. like literally like what you were saying like yeah just like kind of putting the extra step in there to to make it more about loving them Mm -hmm. than justifying yourself yeah like just more focused on them than like trying to like fix whatever um bad feeling you have in yourself from like being wrongfully or hmm. just really accused of something yeah I really like the way you put that where it's like it's not just about me like I I feel guilty or I feel bad that they accuse me of this mm-hmm. but rather it's like how can I love them best yeah I love that that's good any other thoughts on that question Yeah, I think it goes hand in hand with what Jesus says in the sentence before. If someone accuses me of something I didn't do, I want to get defensive. I want to defend myself, to list all the things that I do right, of all the things that I do, who I am, blah, blah, blah. 
But that's not what Jesus calls us to. He calls us to love the other person, to focus on the other person. Um, Not like there's not a place for you to stand up for yourself, but stand up for yourself in light of love for the other person. Um, So rather, we need to respond with humility, kindness, and patience, um, and um, just laying down ourselves and, and loving them well. Not like it's easy to do at all, like it's so much easier to say than to do. Um, but in the moment that it, it, like in, in the moment you're put in that position, the Lord will give you the strength in order to love in a way that is radical. Um, so yeah, God, Jesus calls his disciples to abound with grace when accused, when accused of something. And if they've done something wrong, because we've all done something wrong against someone, to go above and beyond and trying to make it right with them. Um, not for you to feel better about yourself, but to genuinely love them um, and repent of what you've done. Um, So yeah, any questions on that statement? Cool. All right, so next Jesus tells his followers that they need to be willing to go an extra mile for their neighbor. So he says, if anyone forces you to go out one mile, go with him two miles. Um, So there's like some cultural context to this. Um, During that time, the Romans, the Roman army was like, out and about, and the people had were under the authority of the Roman army, um, particularly the Jews. And so the Roman like soldiers sometimes would be out in the town, and they would be carrying stuff from place to place, and they would stop by a citizen and say, you know, okay, carry this with me one mile. And that person, that citizen, was legally responsible to carry that thing or help them with that thing for one mile. So that explains like when Jesus is being led to the cross, when they see Simon, um, they have Simon carry the cross for Jesus one mile. Um, so that's just like the culture of the day. Um, and for a Jew in particular who did not like the Roman soldiers or Rome at all, um, this was extremely um, embarrassing to have to stop everything that you're doing and to carry something for a Roman soldier who you hated for one mile. Um, so when, they, when Jesus says this to the people that he's preaching to, they're probably like, no way, I hate even going one mile with a Roman soldier, why in the world would I go two miles? If I hate him, if it's embarrassing, if it has nothing in it for me, why would I do that? Um, so why do you think that Jesus would tell them to not just go one mile, but to go two miles? Knowing the context of it. What would it say to the Roman soldier? I think that they're different. Because, like, yeah. the Roman soldiers, they probably already know that the Jews hate them. Mm. They probably already know that the Jews are pretty mad at them. Mm. But, like, actually seeing, like, a Jew, like, going that extra mile, they're like, why are you doing that? Yeah. Like, am I mistaken? Um, I don't know. I mean, it will definitely like, put some thoughts into their head. And I think that's still, like, what Christians do today. Like, by Christians being, like, obnoxious, uh, okay, obnoxiously kind to people, like, yeah. genuinely in their spirit, like, it kind of makes people wonder, like, oh, like, like, why are they doing that? Like, they might notice you as different, and at first they might, like, recognize you as, like, kind of, like, like, foolish in your own way, but, like, the more you do it, the more they're going to be like, okay, there's something different about this person, mm-hmm. and I want to, like, figure that out in some way. Yeah. Or they may not. They yeah. Just be like, thank you. Yeah, the Roman soldier was probably like, okay, buddy, you can go two miles with like, me. Okay, you Jew. <laughs> yeah, but probably that entire mile, the extra mile, and the rest of the day, he's like, why in the world would he go two miles with me? Like, like that, it would just leave them so confused, right? Especially because they're only legally responsible for the one mile. Yes. So you're, like, offering 
to do it again. Uh-huh. And, like, walking a mile, especially, like, carrying something isn't very easy. Especially, mm-hmm. like, where they were, it would have been, like, hot and, yeah like, dirty and stuff. So it's just, Right. Like, and also that's like what to, like if you're walking two miles away from the original place that you were that's two miles you have to walk back and so it's like <laughs> four miles of walking when you think about it um got all your steps in I guess but <laughs> um but yeah you're so right Julie like um their legal responsibility was only to go one mile and Jesus said Legally, you go one mile, but out of love, I want you to go two miles. I want you to go above and beyond to show that there's something different about you. Um, So we should love in a way that leaves people really confused. Like, why in the world would they do that? Why would they say that? Why would they act that way? Um, And then point them to the amazing love of Jesus Christ, which is freely given to them if they would receive Christ as their Savior. Um, So how do we go the extra mile in loving people? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? When I think about um, going the extra mile, I think about Delaney, because Delaney's very good at loving people. Um, and she always goes the extra mile so the lady this is might be a little uncomfortable for you but when you think about like ways that you can serve people like what's your thought process like honestly I just think about I intentionally think about um, I'm gonna sound crazy for a minute but like Whenever you talk to people, ask questions, get to know what they like. Mm-hmm. And this is people that you know. So then you can do that little bit for them. Mm-hmm. So like if, if you randomly talked about like blueberry muffins one week, <laughs> I might bring you blueberry muffins one week. Like it's just it's just I like chocolate. It's just paying attention to people and loving yeah. them is also learning more about people. Mm. Because like if somebody asks you a bunch of questions, learn more about you, you're going to feel loved. Right. Like, love is such, I'm going to go on a rant for a minute, but love is such a simple concept when you think about it. Like, loving can be opening doors, or it can be just be talking to you, mm. making eye contact with you. Yeah. So, like, when I love people, I just, typically what I do, I just do it specifically for them. Mm. That's good. So. Yeah. You're, like, so intentional, and you're just your thoughts, and, like, listening. Yeah. Yeah, that's I good. I think it all comes back to, like, what what would I love for people to do for me? Not that I want that, mm. but I want to share it with them. Yeah, yeah, so. and that's exactly like what Christ calls us to 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 think of others as you would think of yourself. And yeah. honestly, it brings so much more joy mm. because you know, like the Lord is in it, yeah. what you're doing, and like it brings so much more joy than people showing me love is me showing people love. Mm. Yeah, imagine if that's like how we all thought. Like I have more joy giving love than I do receiving love. It'd be just like, love, 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 love everywhere. Like, you know, and everyone's joyful and everyone's happy. And obviously we live in a sinful, fallen world and I forget to look to the interests of others all the time. But like the life that Jesus calls us to is so joyful if we would just look beyond ourselves and look into going the extra mile for anyone and everyone that he places in our path. Um, Can I add something? 
yeah go for it and you have to think about it too like if you randomly show somebody an act of kindness or an act of love even if you don't know them picture what that seed is going to grow into because that seed's not just going to sit there and die you know you planted the seed of joy other things are going to sprout out of that joy and that's going to go into other people as well Hmm. so it's a whole thing yeah just bringing joy and love to people oh for sure I'm guilty of, um, like, I, I have to tell myself, okay, just do, like, just go the extra mile, but don't expect anyone to go the extra mile for you because so easily you can get frustrated and also have very, like, high expectations if you expect, like, oh, I'd love this person, they should love me back. Well, it doesn't work that way. Jesus died for us, and not everyone receives Jesus, so we can't expect for everyone to... No, go ahead. Oh yeah. But then eventually I just asked the Lord, I was like, give me more joy in doing this than receiving it. Mm. And it's just, yeah. That's so good. But it's a learning curve. We're not going to be perfect first. I'm nowhere near perfect, but I enjoy doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So good. Any other thoughts on that question? How do we go the extra mile for the people that God puts in our lives? Yeah, I think you're definitely right, Delaney, like, in just praying to God to give us that joy. Because I know, like, I struggle with that a lot, mm-hmm. with, like, genuinely, like, having compassion for someone or genuinely going the extra mile. Or at least just, like, hearing it, I have struggled, like, I'm, I struggle with it. Just because, like, I, I'm so convicted about it. But then I go to God in prayer, and I remind myself of his word, and I remind myself of his love for me, and then he reminds me of his love for me. Mm-hmm. And I am just very genuine with my weakness in it. I'm like, God, like, mm. I I really struggle with this. Like, I really struggle with loving people, and, and I want to do better. And then he, somehow, just by his words, and somehow by his spirit, like, he just kind of switches it around, and all of a sudden, I, like, realize, like, like, like whoa, like, I actually have this natural, like, intention to, like, love people. And I'm mm. like, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> You're like that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't have that before. And all of a sudden, like, I just look at random people, and I'm like, man, I just really, just, I want to go show compassion to them. Like, I want to, like, stop what I'm doing and help them. Yeah. And that doesn't come from me. Like, it came from Jesus, mm. and he was the first one to do it, yeah. seeing as he's the one that, like, taught everyone to do it. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's like his love literally working through us. Like, it's not just us working beside him. Like, he's actually working through us. Mm. And, like, the more, like, you walk with him in faith and walk with him through his word and and continue to, like, ask him to, like, help you with these certain things, like, the more you're going to notice that in your walk with him. And, like, I don't know, it just gives me more of a reason to just worship him and love him. Yeah. And, like, and, like just more of a genuine joy and energy to actually go out and do those things. Because if, if I do it on my own, like, I'm going to be so tired. Hmm. Like, I'm going to be so burnt out. And he promised that he would give us the strength to do it if we have, like, faith in him and, like, depend on him for that kind of stuff. Right. So, I don't know, that's just, it's really cool. And he just kind of, like, works with us with, like, those ways of thinking, like what you were saying. Um, but, I mean, it all starts with him because yeah. he just wants to do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, I think that just everything that you both said is just so encouraging and, like, just reminds us that it's so possible to get to this point of loving people, like, the extra mile, but it does not come from our own strength. Like, there's no way it comes from our own strength. And I, I love that. And both of you guys' is just experiences with that huge testimony of what like the holy spirit can do in somebody so that's awesome 
cool. All right, so the next thing that Jesus uses to illustrate his point is to give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Um, so Jesus commands his followers to be ready to give, um, quick to give, generous in all that they do. Um, there's no room for greediness or penny-pinching in the kingdom of God. He, he wants us to give our resources to him. Um, so I'm sure you guys can all think of a time in your life where someone showed you generosity, um, whether it's they gave you money or they gave you their time, or Delaney and I were talking about this on Thursday, of this concept of holding space for someone, because I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what does it mean to hold space for someone? But it simply means just like, like allowing them the space to talk, right? So like being generous with your time, your, your ears, like listening to people, being generous with, with whatever the Lord has given you. So as you think through like what the Lord has given you, and I know like some of you guys like don't have a job, a home, or like a lot of time on your hands, but think through what the Lord really has blessed you with, whether it's like a gift that you have or something that you're good at, or maybe like the small like amount of money that you do have, how quick are you to give that away? Um, so like God has given me um, a tiny little apartment, which I love so much. And Luke and I constantly are praying and asking the Lord, Lord, how can we give this tiny little apartment back to you? This like small little apartment. Um, and like, if the Lord has blessed you with $20, how quick are you to give like some of that money to someone in need or the church? Um, if God has given you Monday and Tuesday off, what, how are you using that extra time to serve him and to serve others? Um, if God has given you a job, how are you using that job to glorify him and give back? Every single thing in your life that is a gift from the Lord is not meant for you to suck in. You're not a sponge. You're not sponging, sucking in all the gifts that the Lord gives you. Rather, you're like wringing it out. You're giving it back. You're saying, this is not mine. It was never mine. Lord, take it back. Use it for your glory. Um, we're not supposed to just hold on to all our treasures. Um, so what are some things that come to your mind for your specific point in life that you can be generous with? Because I know that we're all in different stages right now. So what's something that comes to your mind that you can be generous with right now? I think, like, prayer hmm. is really important. Like, I think it's so important to, like, go out and, like, help people. But I always I also realize that the Spirit of God can do a whole lot more in a person than, like, our words can. Yeah. Like, I mean, if it feels like we're, like, telling them the truth, like, it won't always go through so it's important to like go out and tell people the truth and go out and help people. At the same time, it's also important to like pray to God and genuinely like ask him like to do, to like actually work through that person or to help them see the compassion that we're showing them. It's not just our compassion, it's also mm. his compassion. And therefore like kind of leading them closer to him. Yeah. If that is his will, which sometimes it won't be. But I mean, God still asks us to like us asks us to like pray right so i think just like the time that we're given just to ask god to help us to remember to pray for people mm -hmm. yeah there's we can definitely be very generous in our prayers yeah i love that any other thoughts that come to mind when you think of what you can be generous with time yeah it's a tough one yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I just have to remind myself, like, I'll, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Sometimes, so everybody likes to talk to me, like, at my church, just because, you know, I, that's just who I am. Yeah. Sometimes I just can't do it. 
Like, there's certain personalities I just don't, I don't know. But that five minutes of my time, Mm. who knows what they're going through. Right. You know, and that five minutes could change their whole week. That could give them hope to move on to the next week. Mm. So, literally five minutes of your time can change somebody's whole week. Yeah. And it's so hard because I feel so selfish. Yeah. like, is is my comfort or their well-being? You're right. So, yeah. That that's what I think about when I think of time. Yeah. And I'm not no. I struggle with my time too because it's also like sometimes I'm like, okay, God, what about me time? Like, <laughs> like I want to just like be alone for like a whole night. But and there's nothing wrong. Like we're called to take Sabbaths. But I love what you said, Delaney, about just like five minutes of intentional time and like asking the Lord to help you love that person with the words that He gives you. So it's like even being generous with your words. Yeah. yeah, so good. Isn't that so crazy though? Like sometimes like that's all the amount of time that the Lord needs. Like he created yeah. the universe in seven days. Like he didn't do it over like this huge period of time because he just didn't have enough power to do it. Like he literally created it in seven days. So just imagine how much you can do in like five minutes hmm. through a believer. Like that's just crazy. It kind of yeah. like makes you like excited. Like, oh, yeah. I want to try that. Like, yeah. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, like you said, it's intentional time. So just I come in. Is all that matters. Hmm. Like, there's this guy at my at my church who, like, lives alone, always been alone, and I know, like, five minutes of my time with him would just make, give him so much joy. Right. Do I like it? Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. But it's not about me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so, I teach four- and five-year-olds, <laughs> and a lot of them love physical touch. Like, they constantly want hugs and stuff. And a lot of times, I'm all out of touches for the day. But I know that they need it. Like you're so snotty and a little stinky. What? So I still give them hugs when they need it because, like, sometimes that's just what they need to, like, go on with the day. Yeah. They're just, like, so upset or they just, like, need to get some of their love out because four-year-olds and five-year-olds are filled with so much love. It's, like, insane. Um because they tell me all the time, they're like, I love everyone. And I'm like, that's such a good thing. Um, but yeah, so even if I'm like all touched out or something like that, I still try to give them as many hugs as I can. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I when I'm up in the children's church or just like around kids that age, first of all, I that's not my gift the kids that age because I'm like oh you're so snotty like there's snot dripping from your face and there's like two eye boogers in the same like like same eye like you know? but it's just so crazy that you can be generous with a little four-year-old by just like loving them and talking to them and that's awesome yeah even though I don't I know, like, a lot of kids don't like to be touched either, so I always, like, make sure, like, I do, like, a little hand, like, yeah, like, are you okay? And I'm, like, sometimes we have a lot of, like, kids in our behavior program and special education program are like, go away! I'm, like, okay, I'm going to move away, but I need to know you're safe, I need to know you're okay, but I'll give you your space, and then I always get a hug right after. They're always, like, oh, thank you, like, that's, that's all I needed was yeah. a minute to self-regulate, and then I'll be okay. Yeah. But it's so, it's such a good feeling to get a little hug. And I have little ducks. Mm, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, sometimes all they need is for you to, like, pat their head. It's the craziest thing. They love when you, like, tell them good job and, like, touch their hair. They just feel, like, so loved that they just, like, fall into it like they're a dog. It's just, like, 
<laughs> it's so cute. It's nice to know that they, I don't, like, they just follow me. And it's like, they know I won't talk to them because they're following me. And I, I have everybody else's needs to meet as well. But mm-hmm. no, they know. They're like, oh, Miss Maddie's busy, but I'll just follow her. Yeah. I have, I have two preschoolers who follow me. I have a kindergartner who follows me and a first grader. Mm. And I have one who just wants to be held. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, somebody else can hold you, but I'll hold you in a minute. Give me <laughs> yeah. one second. Three of my five-year-olds just stand behind me in the gym, mm-hmm. trying to get my attention as I talk to, like, other teachers and other kids. So then sometimes when I'm, like, not busy, I just, like, turn around and, like, jump scare them. And I just, that's funny. It's just like, I love kids. I love kids. Yeah, you guys, you guys are awesome. Every time Maddie talks about kids, I just feel like firecrackers are going off, like, around her. It's like, kids, ah! yeah that's awesome that's awesome the lord is definitely going to use that in you um but kind of like going off what you guys were saying of like how you can't hold everybody you can't like hold this kid and love this other kid um if one kid just wants to be held all day that's not gonna happen there's times where we're not called to freely give to someone so um a good way to illustrate this is like say you have two neighbors one neighbor has like six kids, single mom. She works like all that she can, but she doesn't have a washing machine. makes her life terrible. So um, you are saving up for a washing machine to give to her. But your other neighbor um, is just this guy that hasn't been, hasn't had a job in forever, doesn't want to have a job, sits on his couch all day and he comes to you and he's like, hey, can I have some money? Uh, I'm, I'm out of money. But it's like, I shouldn't, like, you shouldn't give to the person who's not willing to work. Rather, you should give your money to someone, to the single mom next to you who is working, has six kids. Like, you have to, we have to be cautious with our resources, wise with our resources, and really wonder, and really ponder and think, okay, where does the Lord want this to go? Um, so Second Thessalonians three ten through 13 um, tells us that, you shouldn't give to the to someone who is not willing to work. So don't give bread to the one that's not willing to work for bread. Um, so this is something that's really important and really hard to keep in mind because there will be people that you will come across in your life or maybe you already have that will just take and take and take and take. And sometimes we're, we are called to give to those people, but we also have to use wisdom and prayer and discernment because it's not always glorifying to the Lord to give to someone who will not help themselves. You're actually hurting them more. Um, but there also, there are circumstances where we are called to give and give and give. Um, but there are circumstances where we have to say, no, the best way to, for me to be generous with you right now is to push you to have a job, you know? Um, does that make sense? Yeah. So, uh, I just thought I'd throw that in there just to give a better picture, but for the most part, Um, Jesus calls his followers to be freely giving, quick to be generous, quick to use our resources to love, serve, build up the kingdom. Um, So yeah, these these few illustrations that Jesus uses, what are some common themes that you guys see in all of these? Yeah, yeah, they're very others focused, even if the other person is like your greatest enemy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's others focused. What else do you guys see? That that you being comfortable is under huh. how the person loves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a love that makes you feel like, ooh, I love this all the time. Like walking two miles instead of one would be very uncomfortable. Very. But showing the other person love is so much more important than that. 
it's mm. so much more impactful. You'll be comfortable in twenty years. Yeah. But they'll remember that forever. Yeah, oh for sure. That's good. Yeah, God wants us to go above and beyond in loving our neighbor. So um, both those things that you guys said, so good. Um, and he calls us to do this because this is what God does for us. This is what Jesus, and just like, I've, like I think it's two years after he preaches the Sermon on the Mount. It might be a different time frame. I'm not sure. Um, but like just a little while after preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he demonstrates this perfectly with the crucifixion. Um, so I'm actually going to read through a few passages of the crucifixion, and then the last passage I'm going to read through is just um, what Christ does for us and how he loves us. Um, So the questions I want you guys to think about, and I just want you guys to write down. Does everyone have like a pen or something to write on? Um, If you need a pen, there's some over here. Anyone need a pen? Okay, or share with your neighbor. Okay, so what I want you guys to read, to think about as I read through these passages is how is Jesus living out what he's preaching in the Sermon on the Mount in this moment? So like these things that we talked about today, how is he living that out? Um, how is he showing radical, confusing, and above and beyond love? Like, what, like how is he showing love? And how does this change the way that you love others? So just think about that as I read these, these passages. I should have marked them with sticky notes, but I didn't. So, all right, I'll try to read slow so we can really think about what's going on here. All right, uh, the first one's Matthew 27, 11 through 14. This is when Jesus is before Pilate. Um, he's been under arrest and he's accused of something that he didn't do. <clears throat> now Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, you have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave no answer, not even a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. Next passage, Matthew 27, 27 through 31. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put the reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took a reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on new clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Next one is Luke 23, 33 through 34. Um, And when they came to the place that is called the the skull, there they crucified him and the criminal one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Skipping ahead to Romans 5. Um, I'm going to read 6 through 11. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were still enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we rejoice in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Gives me chills. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think? How did how did Jesus live out what he preached in the Sermon on the Mount? I think he kind of proved that he meant what he said. Hmm. Like he wasn't just saying saying it to say it. Like he actually showed like this really large and passionate like um, symbol of hmm. it. Not symbol, like action. Yeah. Kind of showing that he wasn't just all words. Hmm. Like. I know, like, it's really discouraging to, like, like, hear somebody say, like, all of these nice and kind words to you, but they don't actually, like, treat you with that same kindness. They're just kind of, like, talking to you, and I think Jesus kind of proved himself to be, like, the most loving person, like, on the planet at that time, because he not only, like, told us all these words of love and all these instructions of how we were supposed to love, but he also, like, showed us what that actually looked like in, like, this extreme form. And he also, like, did it for us, knowing that we wouldn't actually be able to do it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I'm not able to do that much love. Like, I know that. Like, and I can pray to God to, like, help me to have some little piece of that compassion that he showed us. But I know that, like, in no way I'm, I'm not able to do that on my own. Hmm. And I'm only able to do it, like, through him, through his power and through his spirit. And, um, I mean, that's kind of the gift that he gave us when he, like, died for us. Yeah is he gave us that, like, opportunity to have that relationship and that power that he showed on the cross. Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah. He he lived out what he said through action. Yeah. yeah. And my favorite of those that you read was that he, like, asked his father to forgive the criminals on the cross that are beside him mm-hmm. before they die yeah. so that they can get into heaven. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, I feel like that's really showing them love so that they don't have to live forever in hell for being criminals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was saying it to the criminals, and he was also saying it to the people that were, like, below him on the cross, mocking him, crucifying him. He was saying, like, God, they don't know what they're doing. Like, forgive them, which is crazy (laughs) that he would say that to, to them. Yeah. 
like it says when you're being sued and like Elise pointed out that it could be wrongfully mm-hmm. being sued but yeah yeah because Jesus was wrongfully sued yeah and I just think I think through those passages we just read so like Jesus before Pilate and a before before like a bunch of like really powerful men and he says nothing even though he could probably destroy them in a word because he's god he says nothing because he's like i'm going to die for your sins if you believe in me i love you and i'm going to die for you and the the soldiers that beat him like he died for them and he never fought back because he loved them and he wanted to die for them so that they could be saved and then on the cross he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He's compassionate. He's loving. It, and it makes no sense, right? Because we don't deserve any of it. And then in Romans, it calls us enemies. Like, we were the enemies of God before the, before he changed our hearts. Like, we have done nothing to deserve his grace. Um, so Jesus loves in a way that is confusing, that is crazy, that is radical. Um, and that is why he calls us to a love that is confusing, crazy, and radical as well. Um, and like Elise and so many of you guys said today, it does not come from us, right? Like we cannot love this way from just our own strength. Like we will, we will fail. It has to come from the Holy Spirit that is working inside of us. Once we've truly understood the gospel, um, that Jesus died for us while we were enemies to him and his love towards us, that love like fills us up to the brim and then spills out from us. And that is the only way we're able to love in this way. And we don't do it perfectly. I fail every single day, but the Lord is faithful and kind, and he is the one that is going to change you, mold you, and shape you into who, who he wants you to be. Um, so yeah, next week we're going to talk about um, praying for your enemies, and we're going to dive into the Good Samaritan, and I'm really excited. So come back, bring your friends. I'll pray for us. Um, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Um, I am just amazed at um, your words this morning and how you lived them out, that you didn't just say them, um, but it was an action, Lord, that you you died on the cross, that you did not stand up, you did not retaliate, you did not um, lash out, you went the extra mile um, so that we could know you and love you um, and show your love to others, Lord. Thank you for salvation, thank you for Jesus, thank you for who you are, um, that you're a God who um, never stops loving. Lord, would you help us be better Um, lovers. God, would you help us love in a way that is intentional and confusing and radical and that displays your glory, that doesn't make us look good, but it makes you look good, Lord. Um, Would you just grow us into people that are quick to love, quick to forgive, quick to give um, others, Lord? Um, Would you work that out of us? Because we cannot cannot do that on our own. Um, Lord, we love you. Help us love you more. In your name I pray. Amen.